Welcome back to the second hour of Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. We are so glad that you have joined us this lovely morning. Uh, hopefully you have a nice steaming hot cup of coffee or tea or some beverage and are nestled in for... Steaming hot. Not a long winter's nap, but a, uh, a short spring sojourn, if you will. Um, I have to say a little bit of my jealous girl side is a little glad that some of the people are coming back from Florida today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's been a lot of people gone this week. I don't know. This has been the big spring break week for uh, for us. I know that there are people, I think Minneapolis schools are all out next week. Um, but so it's still happening. People are still all going. Right. Have a good time. So guess what, guys? This is the time. It's time for top two in hour two. Give me the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the Weekly Dish presents top two, top two. The top two. Pick your best two. In hour two. All right, give me two, will you? Will you? All right, this is the time of the show that we tell you guys a couple of things that we are a little bit excited about or mildly obsessed with this week. Uh, do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. I went to um, this exhibition that was at the Textile Center. Yes. And this is part of the um, Women's Chef Conference that's coming in April. Mm-hmm. And what happened is, is they put 50 artists, for texture, fiber artists, with 50 people in the business. Mm-hmm. And then we met and we were in pairs and we created, or the artists created a, some kind of a piece of art based out of this collaboration. Yeah. So... The exhibition opened at the Textile Center. It was so beautifully incredible. Yeah. It's going to be open through um, the end of April. On Thursday, April 26th from 12 to 1.30, I'm doing a talk about some of these collaborations. So if you're interested in that, join us. But so first, I... The Textile Center is a place I'd never been before. It was packed full of people all looking at these collaborations in textile of people and their food inspirations. And when we're saying textile, it's not just yarn. I know a lot of people are like, oh, there's going to be a lot of macrame. You know, it's fabric, it's paper, it's It was embroidery. It was um, someone made an arugula and prosciutto blanket. (laughs) Someone (laughs) had woven something. There was like, um, my person, we felted our fat. Did I tell you what we did? No, uh uh-uh. Okay, so this will make you laugh. When we met, uh, Marjorie Fazenden was the artist I worked with, and we were talking about how we love to eat and entertain, and we're always on a diet and trying to, like, manage all of this, and it's just this vicious cycle. Yeah. You know, coming up on 50, and, oh, we thought the 40s were when you got your stomach. Now, like, 50s, it's even harder to... And so we were just... We spent all this time talking about dieting, and what we came up with is, together, we'd lost 14 pounds of fat in the last year. Mm -hmm. So she made a fat ball a textured felt <laughs> fat ball that was on a silver platter you know how to feel about that <laughs> it was really different than yeah. everybody else's but i i was okay with it i thought it was cool so it looks like a big lump of fat yes and it's felt yes made out of felt yes she felted it that's amazing and stitched it yeah it is really on a silver platter yes and the problem in this exhibit was there were so many people you couldn't see the explanation of this it this is what I heard so is that it, it was too crowded that oh, during the reception yeah. but it's open go look later and read the that if you read the stories like uh, someone did um, eat drink dish Golnaz Yamanpur they did her like Instagram page and had little 
embroidered vignettes of some of her Instagram pictures that were oh. real cute. Um, uh, it was just the whole thing was really cool. That's so if very you cool. like food and art, it's yes. great. You should go check it out. Awesome. 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 Um, okay. Well, my first one is that I was in Seattle last week and uh, for spring break. And we just, I just, Seattle was great. Seattle is one of my picks, <laughs> one of my Hooray. favorite things. And I just have to say we ate so well and it was so fresh. And we went to, uh, and specifically we went to Shiro's uh, sushi in Seattle, which was uh, Shiro was an apprentice of Jiro yep, in from Jiro Love Sushi, sushi yep. in the, um, the documentary. I seem to be all about food documentaries. Um, and, Jiro or Shiro's, we sat at the counter and we did an omakase. The first time I've ever done omakase with Jake. Normally we get sushi and we just sort of pound it. I mean, yep. the kid eats sushi like he could eat, you know, he, like he breathes, yeah. you know. But this was one of those things where it was really interesting because I didn't want to just get a bunch of rolls. What was fun about the omakase was really letting the chef take us through and it put things in front of Jake that he never would have tried if it hadn't been for that moment. So, he tried sea perch. I don't know if I would have even ordered sea perch just because you're like, well, I don't know. Is it going to be good? But he tried this torched sea perch and his mind was blown. He's like, what is this? And then, you know, he totally was great with uh, unagi and uni, you know, some eel, some sea urchin, fish roe. When he had the roe, which I don't think we've ever ordered at a sushi restaurant, right. he, he got it and he put it in his face and he ate it and he's like, oh my God, that was amazing. I go, do you know what that was? He goes, yeah, it was fish eggs. I knew that from Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, right, there, there you we go. go. So anyway, I mean, yes, it was probably the most expensive meal we had, but for me, that was worth it a hundred percent to see the journey. And I will tell you, there was a salmon on there that was a local King salmon. <gasps> it was a piece of fatty, delicious, beautiful salmon. Okay. Oh God. Did I you it. eat at the fish market every morning? And what did it's you It's not eat? even just the fish market, the public market. Yeah. We ate, you know, we had salmon on bagels and we ate fresh vegetables and, and we ate, we would just buy like a pint of fresh raspberries that were just picked and we would buy, uh, they were handing out plums, you know, they were giving slices of plums off and we ate, um, we ate oysters and we ate, God, we ate everything. I wouldn't trade living in Minnesota for anything, but those cultures where the growing season is longer and fresh food is longer is really nice. Too. Yes, I know. And it really, those ingredients are so good. Okay. So what's um, your second one? So one of the guests that came to the dinner party that I talked about in the first hour was um, Ashley Olds from Sweet Science Ice Cream, Yay! who is getting ready to open her scoop shop inside yes. Keg and Case, mm-hmm. which will be on West 7th Street in St. Paul. Um. She, when you invite her over for dinner, apparently she brings like her hostess gift is ice cream. Is ice cream. Mm-hmm. So last night I happened to go down to the freezer and there was this pint of salted caramel ice cream calling my name. Yum. Yum. All I can say is just yum. Mm-hmm. This is, there's something about her ice cream that I think hits on a lot of different levels. It's not just the salted caramel part. It's a little more complex flavor. And if you're someone who appreciates good ice cream, get Sweet Science ice cream. She does a lot of layers in her flavors. Um, have you ever seen her little Sunday cups? Yes, I saw them in your feed. Yeah, your we picture. had. Yeah, we were talking about. But I mean, we were talking about the, like when you go to Five Watt or coffee shops, you find these little Sunday cups. And so what she's done is put that ice cream in and then maybe drilled like a hole in the center uh-huh. and then poured like a fresh blueberry sauce or, you know, something uh, delicious. Yeah, and Do you want to know how I fun. ate my salted caramel ice cream since you're yeah. 
I had Trader Joe's spicy uh, sugary walnuts oh. in this package that I put on salads a lot. I crushed some of those up and put it on my good. ice cream. It was good. That's pretty good. I like to put pretzels in my ice cream. Oh, I mean, I just, that sounds good like, too. Instead, like I scoop the ice cream with pretzels, like yeah. a dip. Like Kurt ice looked cream at me and dip. he goes, are you really doing that? Like just going to sit there and eat ice cream today? Like, yep. <laughs> Yep. I am. I fasted I am. twice this I week. I fasted so. twice. I'm good. 100% I'm eat in. i cream. I'm allowed. Uh, okay. My second one is uh, just, you know, there's something about, I don't know why the Japanese get all the best Kit Kats, but they just do. And I'm. And you brought me one I and did. I'm going to eat it. I did. I bought you a green matcha one, which of course, you know, if you have at all any fascination with the Asian Kit Kats, there's a lot of matcha, green matcha ones around. But this one I had not seen before. This one has uh, crushed raspberries, cranberries, and almonds also on the top with some, I think a little bit of mint on there. Oh, look at it. It's like a pretty pretty. little like bonbon almost. It is. And I thought that was, and again, jealous that we don't have those in our just candy cases. But here's what I'm going to say. Why don't we get good Kit Kat flavors? I don't know. Because the Japanese are just, they're just way more into it and they buy them, I guess. But I will tell you that if you come across the dark chocolate Kit Kats, those are amazing. And if you want to find the best candy for your Easter basket, go to United Noodle today and check them out or Schwanger Market too. But United Noodle has an amazing array of awesome Japanese candy or Asian candy because I'm not even sure if it's, some of it's Korean too. But that's kind of my tip for making a cool Easter basket. I'm just learning about K-pop. Yeah. <laughs> Korean Are you really? pop music. Yes. yes. Is that like your new fun thing? <laughs> well, I learned about it from the Olympics, but apparently there is an issue in Korea of all these girls wanting to look like K-pop stars. So the plastic oh. surgery industry oh. is like crazy oh. on fire. Oh. They've, bo- they've banned um, ads in the subway system for plastic surgeons. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Um, hey, you wanted to say something about sea salt opening? Oh, yes. Did you I go? I did. Wanted to find out. No, I okay. did not. I just wasn't sure. They did quietly open on Thursday. They are open. I assume they're open today, <laughs> even though it's yes. chilly and full of snowy. Snow. They mm-hmm. have an inside part there. They do. It's they do. small, but they can... And well, you, inside the um, rec center. I will tell you also, we ate at a place in uh, Seattle called Biscuit... I don't know if I can say that word on the radio, but okay. Um, and uh, it was, um, I mean, it was you know forty degrees and rainy, you know, and just a little bit of Seattle-ish. And people, we all sat outside. We just okay. sat outside with our biscuit sandwiches. Stephanie, this Kit Kat is gross. You don't like it here. Huh? I want you to taste the other bite. I, I mean, I've eaten a bunch of them of this same kind. Yeah, you didn't love it. I or you did. liked it. I did like it. Hmm. You don't like the matcha. I think matcha has a has a a weird tang when it gets in chocolate. I think why is matcha sweet? Well, it's in chocolate. That's like white chocolate oh. and matcha. So <laughs> I think you just answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang, we're and gonna take a break. That. Welcome back. <laughs> we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we have Meredith Deeds on the line, and she's gonna tell us about a very very cool uh, fundraiser coming up. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have Meredith Thieves on the line. Are you there, Meredith? Hey, I sure am. Hey, Hi, la- Meredith. How are you today? Hey, ladies. Great. How are you doing? Super good. Now, you guys know Meredith has been in the in the uh, co-host spot a number of times while Hanson is out of town. So, But we are happy to have her today because she wants to tell us about... Um, she's part of a very cool group called Les Dames d'Escoffier. Did I say that right? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you did. And, and it sounds way, you know, more sophisticated than I am. <laughs> I, feel like I, I feel like I don't deserve to be in a group called Le Dame de Saint-Pierre. But really what it is, is it's just a group of women who've been in the culinary business for a long time and just, um, you know, get together and, and do things, uh, fundraise for different different uh, organizations and causes and just generally have fun. I like the uh, your Instagram page where Robin Aspel has been doing the interviews with some of the folks in town. Yeah, yeah she's great. She's totally been uh, getting around and um, and talking to the people that are participating, and it's it's fun. Yeah, it's we should put that fun. link to that. That would be good. Yeah, yeah, I will. we put that up. So tell us. So who is in La Dames? La Dames is professionals, but is it authors or is it cooks or who is it? Yeah. Really, actually, not restricted to any one group. We have chefs, we have um, writers, you know, food writers, uh, cookbook authors, um, you know, uh, producers, artisanal producers. It's really the the tie that binds here is the fact that we're women who have um, been in the food industry for a while, um, and and that's kind of it. That's, yeah. that's really the only requirement. That's cool. So you guys have a yeah. some, you guys have a big shindig coming up. That's a fundraiser. Tell us a little bit about that. We do. It's called Dame It, and it's um, next week. It's uh, Sunday from two to five at the um, at the Solar Arts Building. The Chow Girls at Solar Arts. Yes. Who are also participating? The Chow Girls. Uh, God bless them. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, thank you very much for yeah. having us. Yeah. And. And so what what it is is it's kind of a it's a what we call a taste around. So we have a lot of women chefs in the area that will be um, that will be participating, and they'll be bringing their their samples from their restaurants or their uh, or their um, distillery or their cider works or you know wherever they're from, and we'll be giving out lots of tons of food, tons of drink. What more, what more fun could you want than that? I know, and right? About, and hanging out with a right. bunch of women in the industry is always a great time. Now, how much are tickets? They're $85, although I think you can get a discount if you go today. I think the early bird ticketing price um, ends tonight at midnight. Okay. So if you get your tickets today, I think you can get a discount on that. Great. And for that price, everything is included. Plus, let me just tell you, there is a dynamite swag bag that you take home on the way out and um, and it has just a million things in it. So so not only are you going to enjoy all that you can eat and drink while you're there, but you'll walk home, you'll walk out and take home a bunch of good stuff too. Which is always good. And this is happening on, when is it? It's next Sunday? So it's Sunday, April 8th. Yep. We, we, we wisely chose not to, not to plan it for Easter Sunday. Yeah, huh? Very <laughs> wise. But, <laughs> That's right. We're you know, we're not brilliant, but we're not that dumb. <laughs> um, and so, so uh, anyways, yeah, I know it's next Sunday, and again, it's from two to five. So it's a great thing to do on a Sunday afternoon, um, and you can still you know get home at night to watch whatever exciting thing is on PBS. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. So, so yeah, no, it's it's just fun. It's just a great celebration of women. We've heard it's been such a hard year with lots of difficult news to hear about women in different industries, but this is a great good news story. So many women in our business that are really thriving and 
and and doing some of the best work that's being done. I love really, it. in the city. Um, hey, Meredith, what are you doing for Easter? What are you yes. making? Uh, okay. <laughs> it's a very hard one for me, and maybe you ladies can relate to this in some way. Um, all my, like, I only have a couple of people home for Easter this year. Really? My kids are, are gone and <laughs> doing other things and can't come back. And so um, it's just us, and I'm vacillating. I probably will do some sort of a, a Benny, really. I think that's going to be Eggs Benedict at my house. Description. It's going to be a brunch. Yes. But something like that, see, I like that because um, you can do that with a small group, and it's not, like, that's a hassle to do for 10 people. Yes. Oh, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not even going to try. I have eight, and there's no way I'm going to get a Benny down. It's to keep the eggs warm. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's not easy to it's not easy to do. Although you can absolutely make your poached eggs way ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. And then and then warm. I mean, you know, not like days ahead of time, but, <laughs> but hours ahead of time and warm it up. You know, in some warm water. But um, but it's hard to do. So if you're doing a small group, I mean, do something like eggs Benedict and really kind of and do the things that, that are a little more nitsy and and take your time with it because you're not trying to do fifty plates, but for a big group, I mean ham, right? I mean that's the that's the deal. Ham is kind of the thing. I know. I love ham. I eat ham every week, so I'm sort of like <laughs> I don't care about ham, yeah. but I get it. I, I mean, I, I you know, it's a tough one. You know, it's I just had a a project with a client of mine where I made a whole bunch of you know ham, and and you're like, gosh, it's it's an eternity trying to finish. If you're not a lot of people trying to finish ham, but there's all kinds of great stuff you can do with ham leftovers, you know, ham salad. This is true. You know, just make ham salad. Uh, yeah. What's it? Yeah. Ham salad. My kids loved that. You know, yes. you take, um, take chunks of ham and throw it in your food processor with a little bit of mayonnaise, a little bit of Dijon, maybe a little green onion, a little cayenne, and zip it up. Maybe you throw some pickle juice in there. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of zip it up. Not until it's like totally a puree. It, yeah, it can't be like a paste because that's nasty. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, remember those deviled ham, those little cans of deviled ham? Oh, yeah. That you, that you don't want that. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of want to have like little cans of deviled ham for everybody. I think actually yeah. I might do that and put that on their plates. It's cute. As like a, hey, Fun. here's yeah. your ham because I'm not making ham. I'm actually going to do that now. Well, you should. Maybe put a, a few, like, Ritz crackers on the side. Oh, I really That's like this appetizer. idea. Yeah. That is the appetizer for your Easter That's you know, pretty meal. funny. I'm totally going to do that, you guys. You should watch for it. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah. Meredith, one last question. I am So, I did bring home some sockeye salmon from, uh, yeah. I did, I brought it on the plane just like a regular old tourist. Oh, I know, real Seattle. good, two pounds. Um so I'm wondering about, do you have any quick curing recipe or like ideas or is there, I mean, I've already sort of lost cure. the boat. Yeah. I want to cure it. Huh? Well, you know, I mean, Gravlox, right? Right. I mean, that's, that is, I love Gravlox. It's so easy to do. It's just kind of sugar and salt and dill and just, um, you know, and, and maybe some other uh, spices in there, uh, maybe some caraway or something like that. And then. And then coat the bejeebers out of it and, and wrap it up and weight it down with something, like another pan. Yeah. And put it in the refrigerator for a couple of days. Yeah. And yeah. Are you All right. Cure it for tomorrow? Cure it for tomorrow? I know. Am I already that, too late? Tough. Am I too, am I too tardy? It easily, 
it, I think it takes a couple of days to make a good gravoire. Okay. But, you know, the day after... Right. After Easter's great. Right, right. We still have Monday morning breakfast. Well, because we did, because we did eat half the salmon. <laughs> we just ate it, and then I was like, "Let's leave a little bit and do a cure." And all of a sudden, I was like, "Wow, it's Saturday, huh?" So, yeah. I don't know. There was a quick cure recipe that involved just soaking it in a very cold solution, uh, like a very briny, sure. briny salt solution. You know, for yeah. a little while, it just as as you slice it already, so that it has more surface area. I think I'm gonna try oh, that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. All right. Now, I think that sounds good. Hey, if you're going to buy tickets before you before we sign, if you're going to buy tickets to um, um, Damon, I don't want to forget to tell you, go to M-N-L-E-S-D-A-M-E-S.org. So okay. it's, it's anyways, or we're on Eventbrite. Go to Eventbrite and you'll find Damon. We'll put there. a link yeah, on we'll, our Facebook page. We'll put a Perfect. link up so that people have an easy way to get in. Perfect. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Meredith. Happy Easter. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Easter. All right, you guys. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. Stephanie and I have discovered a new business model, we think. And that is. (laughs) Which one? Well, yes. Okay. That is that if you. So I think in a picture in my mind. So if I see like a wine label, I remember what the label looked like. I don't remember the name of the wine. It's actually very hard to look up wine by describing the label. Yes. Nobody does that. (laughs) So I'm having a hard time finding the name of the sparkling rosé. But I am on the case and I will have it. And you can follow along. (laughs) We have sent out... We you know, sent out questions. messages, and I also have the empty bottle in my trash at home, so I could be so posting could, it on Instagram okay. later. Okay. So just know Put that I page. hear you. I am sorry I teased you, and now I don't have the name of it. I'm on it. <laughs> um, all right. So this week, the Surly Brewing Company opened their Surly Pizza, mm-hmm. and I went to the opening, and there was a couple of things that were interesting. Um, first of all... The pizza room is upstairs in the old brewer's table, and it is a fast casual. So that means that you go to the counter, you order, you get a number, you sit down, and they bring you your pizza. Do they bring it to you, or do do you wait for your name or number to be called? No, they bring it to you. Because someone told me the other. Nope, they walk it to your table. Um, They serve you cans of beer when you go through the line, and there is a bar that serves tapped surly kind of in the back of the room where there are bartenders, but you don't, you can sit at the bar, but there's also a line where you can go and get your beer, right? There's like stanchions. Okay. So the service model there is different. Mm -hmm. Then downstairs. Yes. They call it a New Haven style pizza, Mm -hmm. which people were like, what the heck is a New Haven style pizza? It's just a way of charring. There's char on the crust is yeah. really all that means. It's it's not Neapolitan pizza. It's a little thinner than that, and there's a char. The pizza itself is named after um, movie titles yeah. and movie scenes, which was kind of fun. Um, I, there were things I liked. One of the things that I liked that no one has talked about is the salads. Mm. They had a very... A very lemony, fresh tasting Caesar salad with these beautifully done poached egg quarters. 
Um, not poached, sorry, soft boiled. I was quarters. like, you can't really po- <laughs> they were poached. Just the perfect. I've had the seen the salad twice now, two different times. And so the, you went to just to be clear, you went to the media preview. I did, and then I and went then you back went, and ate. Yeah, you went back during a soft open day yep, when it was it not was, officially open on Thursday, but they were open. They were open. We went there. We met there some friends for a beer. I said, "Is it open?" We walked upstairs. It was open, so we yeah. sat and we ate. I'm just um, saying because for me, I, and I haven't eaten there because I haven't, I didn't go to the media preview. Yep. And I, because I, and it just, it's this week, you know, it was, I thought it was open Friday and I didn't know that it was softly open yeah. on Thursday. So I haven't had a chance to go. There's a beet arugula salad that was also really good. Um, very, I love, I loved the dressing on it. And then they had this, uh, how do you say the word jardinera? Is that how you, say, how you that? say it? I always feel like I'm saying nope, some disease. It that was really good with these big gigante beans and pickled cauliflower, and it came with a little side of um, dough squares. Okay, which but was I good. I mean, so my bigger question is not just about the food because I haven't tasted the food, so I don't know. But I wanted us to talk about yeah, the fact of so whether let me or not. Get to it. Oh, okay. Well, I just I thought you were going. No, I'm going to. So you go and you order at the counter, and the food comes. I liked the pizza. I thought it was good. My husband thought it was the best pizza in the Twin Cities. And is it so groundbreakingly different? It is a little different. The crust is a little thinner. So a little different. There's more char. But it's still um, just pizza. I mean, like it's still a version of pizza. Well, like you're feeling. I mean, I guess. I guess what I don't understand is it seems like the hype around this has been so insane. Like I feel like there has been so much media hype around it that I don't. Un- then I haven't seen it and understand it. I'm trying to understand what makes it worth. It's a pizza place in the brewery. Like why is this so like captured everybody's attention? I don't know. Just, I don't either. You know, like I went with my husband and some friends. He, my husband, has always thought Black Sheep had the best pizza. Um, and cool. pizza is very subjective, right? So best for him because everybody likes different things. 100%. So he thought that this New Haven style crust situation was kind of like Black Sheep's coal fired, but a little bit different. And he really liked it. Okay. So the pizza we thought was good. What was very confusing to me was at the counter service, they told you that there's a 7% service charge. And the way they described the service charge was that it is to create sustainable wages for their employees and to provide comprehensive benefits. Okay. What? So this is also a part of our Facebook question, just so you guys know, this is kind of where the impetus came from. Yeah. So I got confused by that. And I, at the media preview, I said, so are you delineating that out as a separate charge? And why are you doing that versus just including it in the food? And he said that Omar, the owner, said that downstairs, the beers are like $6. So they didn't want to have a separate beer cost between upstairs and downstairs. They didn't want to charge like $8 for a beer upstairs because they've built in a tip model and then $6 for a beer downstairs where it's tipped. So that was the kind of response is trying to create parity of pricing. Wait a minute. What? So that doesn't make any sense. He didn't want beer upstairs to be more expensive because they've built in this 7% tip. They have to. So they're saying that the people who work upstairs, but the service is different. So, I mean, the product cost is what they said. They didn't want to have different people, like different beer costs upstairs and downstairs, which that made sense to me. What I, why wouldn't the beer just be like, so if it's a six bucks downstairs and it's six bucks, then it would be $8 upstairs. Was the was the was, example was the that explanation. he gave? Okay. The long and short of it is, I don't. I'm getting uncomfortable with all these service charges. I the pizza was twelve to fifteen dollars per pizza. 
which I thought was a reasonable price for the pizza. Yeah, punch is like 10 plus I would have minimum. much rather they charge me $14 for a pizza and not have to hear about your sustainable wage issues and why you aren't paying your employees sustainable wages anyway, because I think you should be doing that as a business owner, than trying to like make this whole statement about it. But I think it's because I'm an insider in the business that this bugs me because I asked my friends that I was with and they were like, well, yeah, who cares? Like, yeah, we want people to have sustainable wages. We don't care. And this is this is and also this question for me, there's twofold to this one is that I don't like having a service charge applied to counter service because you're not serving. They do. There's a runner that brings the that's pizza. That's not service. I know. I'm just giving you the I facts. Know, there's a I'm, runner that brings the pizza and not, they clear your table. Right. That's not service. That is a busser. You don't tip your busser, do you? No. So you run. So you tip a server and that server is there to help guide you and order you and answer your food questions and help you through all those things. And so and it's funny because then you'd also don't want them to be able to do that at the counter where that is supposed to be having taking place. Right. But so to me, that person, a service is someone who you look for and they came and they check on you and how are you doing and what else can I get for you and all those kind of things. That is service. And that is a beautiful thing. And that's a wonderful job. And that's what you that's what service is paid for. And what I worry about is that we've turned the idea, if we say it's a service fee, that it's just, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're dumbing down the idea of what service is and we've turned it into where it's just wage equity. That's all it means now. It doesn't have an, anything to do with the act of service and humility. And it still really bugs me that as a restaurant owner that you have to describe to me your wage equity problems. Well, and that I, is not my business as your customer. And I if, think you are because you come from a business place. I think that's interesting. But I will tell you that there are people. So Alex Roberts, they I went into Cafe Alma and we had lunch there and they have got turned in the daytime to having a counter service model so that you walk in and you order at the counter and then you go find your seat and yep. the same thing. And they have on their bottom a percentage that they say is, you know, and they explain it. This is because we want to pay front and back of house an equitable wage. And we also want to make sure that we can cover our employees medical costs or, you know, or we can offer them insurance and help out with that. And so he says to me that his customers want that information. It is interesting. And I, I, that's kind of why I even bring it up because yeah. Because I don't, I owned a business. When I charged you $37 for your business cards, I didn't explain to you all of my wage situations right. and how much ink costs and how paper costs have risen 5%. If I needed to charge you $48.50, because that's what I needed to cover my costs, I did that. I don't like that the way that this is coming across is I'm helping subsidize the wages of these owners. They should just take care of their employees. If you want to charge me more for my pizza, then that's my decision as a customer, whether I want to come and eat your $16 pizza or not. Yeah. I feel like this whole wage equity and, you know, I'm paying more for health insurance. I get it. But like, just why do we have to have all this debate? When you go to Jay Selby, there's no tip line. And they just say we pay sustainable wages. The end. It's done. I think I so I'm having all these issues because I come from service and I want to teach service. And I think the jobs that of service is important and I don't want it to be relegated and changed because of your guilt or your weirdness factor. And so then I feel like, so I'm protective of service. And yep. so then, and at the same time, I, I want people to make the monies and I want the back of house to be paid. I everything. So I like the service fee and the point was surly, especially they just 
the lawsuit that just came down was, you know, that they settled a two point five million dollar lawsuit for illegal tip pooling because of the fact that they were taking money and trying to redistribute it. So this is their answer to that. And I I see that. But also I am sort of kerfuffled by it because I think I would rather you just do it and not I don't know. There's part of me that just wants you to say, I just want you to say this isn't service. Don't call it a service fee. Call it a wage fee. Call it a something else. And then or just make your pizzas 15 bucks. The American service industry tip system is confusing, flawed and broken. Yeah, it's confusing for employees. It's confusing for the employers. It's going to get more confusing here as we go down. So we have to take a quick break. You guys, we do have a caller on the line who wants to weigh in and we're going to take her call when we come back. So we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. We're having kind of an interesting question off air, too, that I asked Stephanie. And hold on. Let's ask. Jen is on the phone. Let's, Let's take Jen first. Hey, Jen, what's going on? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, Reese. Yes. Okay, so I was calling about two things, um, but then you actually went over how the servers have to tip out at the end of the night to the busters and the bartenders, um, and sometimes, actually, the restaurants end up taking a fee as well. Um, I know, like, restaurants that aren't in business anymore, like um, Avenida's, um, they were located out in Plymouth. Uh-huh. They used to take a service charge to pay for all the credit card fees at the end of the night out of the server's tips before they would tip out the server. Yeah. I've seen that before. I've heard of that before, yeah. and I, that doesn't sit well with me either. It's me either. I'm like, it could stick. Like, you make 200 and now you're walking out the door with maybe 100 Yeah. You feel like after tipping everybody out and plus the service charge fees. Yeah, I don't mind. And I like, I like the idea of tipping out your compadres, you know, if they're helping you and doing stuff. But I'm not a big fan of that, like, credit card fee, which I know as a standard but i don't i don't personally like it yeah it's just another way for businesses to cut around you know i mean they'd have to pay the fee either way if they had the servers there or not yeah that's true um, that's one thing and then another thing i wanted to talk about is that service charge that you're saying that you see yeah um it doesn't go to the host and it doesn't go to the servers it actually goes to the restaurant um caterers do it too so when people are signing up um i actually i run a catering company now i don't do that but um when you're signing up to get all that service and at the end you see like service charge or tip or, um, you know, where you can leave money. If you leave money under service charge instead of under tip, that money actually kicks back into the business. It doesn't go to the servers or the bartenders or anybody that works the event. Thanks for, thanks for weighing in. I appreciate it. I did actually ask the server at the counter at Surly, if, do you get like this 7% at the end of the night? Do they have like a pool where they pay you out? He said, no, it's just part of our wages. So she's right. It do, It's not going to the server necessarily. No. It's going back into the restaurant pool who then are supposedly paying a higher wage because of it. Right. No, it's, yeah, it's not a, yeah, we have to, you have to think about it in terms of it's the same thing as if the pizza was seven bucks more. It would just be the, it's not an extra. That's right. It's not extra it's not like we're pool. used to. Yeah. yeah. It's not like a thing that is like accounted at the end of the night. It's just part of cost. And so the question I have for you, Stephanie, is if Surly was fined $2.5 million in a class action lawsuit for having a tip pool and making employees participate in that tip pool, and that has been found to be illegal. Yes. Is what? having a tip pool and forcing someone to pay out a busser illegal? It all has to be voluntary. Is that the difference? Yes. Okay. The difference is, is your employees. So when we were training and opening restaurants and teaching people service, we said, this is our suggestion. This is how we feel. This would work as a great idea for you guys to make this a teamwork aspect. So everybody makes money and everybody is supported. And then we put the suggestions forth and then it was up to them to do that. And you sort of figured out who was generous, who wasn't. And it was sort of in their best interest to obviously 
tip your bussers because yeah. otherwise they're not going to treat Bus you as your well. tables first. Yeah. That's right. And so it became sort of a self-policing thing. But the problem comes is when they say to people, all right, everybody throw all your tips into a bucket at the end of the night. And then we're just going to redistribute those how we see fit. And that's the problem is because then what happens is you have, you know, management Sally, involvement and Starbucks got in trouble for this, too. Well, there's a piece of that where, yeah, the management involvement is is I don't like any part of that because there's people who then take money and put it in their pocket. But I also don't like the idea that Sally is a server who is working half the shit or, you know, half the way that I do. Like maybe I'm, you know, I'm a master tip maker and I, because of my personality and everything else, I can pull much higher dollar and I sell. And then Sally will get a portion of that and she's not maybe selling as much, but she's there. And so if she you gets go to a piece the coffee shop and there's a bucket and you put your dollars in and at the end of the night when that shift ends, do those coffee workers go through the bucket and split it up equally? Yes. I would say that almost, yeah, and they do it. They have a very interesting algorithm versus how many hours you worked. And it's usually like someone's leaving a shift. And so then they will take the bucket and they will count it out. And then yep. you get that per shift. And then the next person, you know, then the next shift comes. And so it's, a, it's, it is, I mean, like there's definitely um, something to say about the fact that there's a lot of complexity with this. We do have Sue on the line. Sue, you've been sitting there. What's going on? Hi, Sue. Are you there? I'm here. Oh, what's your feeling? Well, I'm with you because I waitressed my way through college and, um, you know, relied heavily on tips. And I I thought tips were given for good service and, you know, providing your customers with the knowledge of the menu and helpful hints and checking back with them and stuff like that. So I'm I'm not a fan of these new proposals and um, I'm not... I'm not like maybe the best for myself either now because I'm very picky about the service that I get because I thought I was a good waitress when I was in college. Um, but I wanted to weigh in a little bit on a different end of it. Now, after college, I work for a local health department and I go out and inspect the restaurants. And I had a recent conversation with one of my general managers at a popular chain restaurant who told me that... Um, his bartenders make $85,000 a year, and his wait staff make anywhere between sixty dollars and $75,000 a year. And that's more than I make. And, you know, now I'm wondering, well, why are we reevaluating this whole tipping scheme and, and policy if these people are making that much money? I know. <laughs> well, and the bus person, or not the bus person, the uh, person who's doing the dishes is making $14 an hour. Yeah. And they're working in these really hot conditions and everything else. It is hard. It is hard to dis- to figure thank that you. out. But thank you, Sue. Thank you. There's in terms of finding out, um, you know, the equity. And that's the thing is we were talking. Actually, I was talking with the mayor before I went to Seattle. And we were saying that I was saying that, you know, the idea of a tip credit is an, is important because I think this to take away these servant jobs, what you're doing is taking. There are people who are not college educated who can make seventy thousand dollars a year. And that is the only place that this could happen. Why is that? Not a, why can't that happen? It is just weird. because it can't happen for every single position. Like, why do we have to take this one job where someone who has doesn't have to go into super big debt for a college can make a, a great middle class, you know, salary? It is. My sister's a lifelong server, so I certainly don't want to take away her tips. But I'm starting to feel like the Europeans, where I know they're we're making this so complicated. <laughs> it when is I, you so hand me a cup of coffee and you've just <laughs> literally poured it out of a pot, that isn't to me. It's I'm sorry, service. I'm not giving you a dollar for that. And when you pour your beer, I do give you a dollar. Like it's just getting complicated. And 
when I walk up to a counter yeah, really? and it's true. 70% service, like why or 7%, do I not want to tip the coffee person, but I tip the beer guy? It's the same why? thing. You're and right. You, it's as easy to pour a beer for me as it is to pour me a cup of coffee. But when I'm at Starbucks, I feel like, oh, great. Like, I, I see your tip bucket and it makes me annoyed. And now with credit cards, People are just swiping your cards, right? Right. And by the way, at fancy coffee shop, when I get my latte and you turn the screen towards me to sign it, and my only choice is a dollar, two dollars, or three dollars, I don't get the fifteen percent choice on my cup of coffee. Really? You make me tip you a dollar, you get nothing. I didn't. Oh, a lot of places do that. I have not seen that. I've you always get your seen the no tip. latte, and then tip is one, two, three, or custom amount. Oh. So you have to choose custom amount That's and hit right. zero. And then they know I'm doing all the tapping yeah. while they're making my coffee. They're staring at me and judging me. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> that might be. That this might has be, been a very that might be personal day. Good questions. <laughs> really good topics. Really. I mean, and I will tell you that as the city of Minneapolis goes, like I said, I'm going to have an article that comes out soon about my chat with the mayor. I'm a little bit more excited by the mayor, I will tell you, than yeah, I was. And I think keep he's talking about this subject. Well, it's, it's, it's not up. going away and it's not being figured out anytime soon. So we're all in because we like to eat out and we like we love our restaurant industry people and we want to take care of them and we want to take care of the industry so that we have a healthy city. This is all part of it. We want vital and vibrant city life. And that's a part of that is restaurants. And come to Arks Valley Village next weekend in <laughs> Richfield, where we're going to be live and we're right. going to be broadcasting. We're going to be talking about bars. We're going to be talking about some prepaid meals. Yes. Pre, what are they called? Pre, prepaid. No. Pre-made. Make, make <laughs> no, your own make meals. make your own. Delivery meals. <laughs> Kinds of meals. Blue Apron Friends. is what we're talking. Pre, yeah. God, I don't even know. I can't even think of what we're Enjoy your snowy them. Sunday and have a happy Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.